Hi, today is October 21st, it's Friday, and uh, this is episode two of the Life Adds Up podcast. So, I'm Brian Glenn, I'm kind of jumping in, um, I was recording some other um, content, and I just really want to do an episode right now, uh, because I've been looking and thinking about sort of our role in the economy. Um you know, this may not be something that everybody may think they're interested in, but uh, if you just bear with me, I'm, I'm sure we can hit some points that we all uh, will find pretty interesting. So how I started thinking about this was uh, I was looking at a deal that Kroger was acquiring Albertsons for about $25 billion. Um, I, I'm thinking about acquisitions and mergers that have taken place. Uh, some of the larger ones um, actually have a, a list here pulled up of the largest seven um, acquisitions and mergers, uh, I guess, in the U.S. Um, so you got Verizon and Vodafone, uh, which was, you know, I think uh, over a hundred billion dollar deal. Not, um, then you had Heinz Craft, which has not worked out so favorably the way everybody thought it would. Um, Pfizer and Warner Lambert, that's obviously a uh, pharmaceutical deal. I remember uh, Warner Lambert was actually being um, trying to be bought by another company, and then Pfizer swooped in and saved the deal and, and bought them. Uh, AT&T Time Warner. Uh, that didn't turn out the way everybody thought it would. And, and that whole string of Time Warner acquiring AOL and AT&T and Time Warner, I actually know um, someone that uh, whose company was bought out by AOL for um, a substantial amount of money, a little less of a uh, little less of a uh, billion dollars. And uh, I'm going to see if I can get on a podcast, actually. Uh, really great guy. Um, he was in social media, I think 2004, 2005, somewhere around there. Then we have uh, the Exxon and Mobil uh, combination, which is now Exxon Mobil, um, gas, energy, uh, Google and Android. I'm not sure if people realize that Android was a separate company. Uh, and then a huge one, Disney, Pixar, Marvel. So um, all of those on that list are pretty notable. Um, obviously, Kroger and uh, Albertsons is not to the level of these, but I think it's significant for today. And the reason why I think it's significant is because uh, we're in a recession, whether most people like to admit that or not, and we're heading for even more turbulent times. And so uh, for the folks who think we're not in a recession, majority of them agree that we're heading for a recession. Uh, and that's obvious because of as interest rates keep rising, the threat of a recession um, increases as well uh, because spending power slows uh, and, you know, just a lot of things that uh, in the economy are interrelated. So, um, but the people who do believe we're in a recession like me um, think that we're headed for another leg down, uh, a, a significant leg down. Um, and some are in the camp that it's going to be like something we've never seen before. Um, I, I listened to Robert Kiyosaki, uh, you know, the rich dad, poor dad, uh, book writer, author rather. Um, and I, I have some similar views in terms of, you know, when I look at the, 
amount of pain, financial pain and stress that took place in 2008-2009 compared to what we're seeing after COVID, I don't, I I really don't uh, believe that most people have felt anything because the government has tried to intervene to keep people from feeling the financial pain. So the stimulus money that was pumped out uh, was only a microcosm of the money that was pumped into other initiatives uh, that you didn't get a check for. Um, But nevertheless, all of these things are affecting the economy. And so uh, I think that we have just begun to see uh, the tip of the iceberg because after the midterms, uh, I my personal opinion is is that's when you're going to start to see real economic pain um, because things have been artificially propped up to get us through midterms and it's for both uh, the left and the right's interests. Uh, the right want to be able to sell the doom and gloom and to sell this story and the left needs to be able to uh, say that you know things aren't as bad as people think they are and so both have a vested interest in keeping things kind of the way they are right now until we get to the midterms Uh, then at that point everything the covers have to be pulled off and you're going to see more companies folding Um, a lot of the up-and-coming companies uh, specifically uh, and this may not affect you, but uh, in crypto, I've listened to Kevin O'Leary talk. I think he's a smart guy. He's been around for a while. Uh, and, you know, when you think about the friction in the marketplace and the uncertainty, uh, this may be a good opportunity over the next six months to look at crypto if you didn't get in in the first wave or well, first couple of waves. Um I got on crypto rather late. Um, My opinion would be, and I'm not a financial advisor, and I see why people make those statements now, um, uh, you know, saying that I'm not a financial advisor. But uh, the reason why I'm saying that is because all of these so-called experts online, they don't know anything. I mean, you know, they have their portfolio and they're doing what they're doing. But everybody's subject to error and mistakes, and we've seen that play out in every sector of the economy um, over the past couple of years. Whether it's the uh, doctors and their advice and changing their advice multiple times, or whether it's uh, financially, you know, uh, especially in the cryptocurrency uh, space, uh, most of these projects are going to zero, to be clear. Um, the only comparison we have is to the uh, internet as um, Web 2.0 sort of jumped off in the 1999-2000.com um, boom and bust. Uh, you saw a lot of people on paper worth billions of dollars and hundreds of millions, and many of them went to zero. They're still around, and uh, I mean, some of them are still around, some of them are not. Uh And the reason why I'm bringing that up is because we've seen a lot of people getting rich with the uh, cryptocurrency over the past 18 to 24 months, and many of them are going to zero. Many of them are going to lose everything. However, the same thing that was true about the uh, Web 2.0 and the dot-com boom and bust of 99 and 2000 is you cannot have this much intellectual capital 
being poured into a sector and it not grow and it not have great things come from it and emerge from it. So yes, uh, you know most people don't know what Webvan was, uh, but uh, many people know what Instacart is. Um, it's literally Peapod. The, these are all the same companies, uh, same business models. It's just that at certain inflection points when you have um, certain technologies and market penetration and um, you know um, uh, a critical mass of adoption use, you know it makes things a lot easier than for the trailblazer who's just starting. So my recommendation is is not to put your money in right now. At least start reading, studying, and getting acquainted with uh, cryptocurrency. And the reason why I say that is because, um, again, I have spent a lot of time on campus at the University of Chicago, uh, one of the best uh, campuses in the country, uh, specifically at their business school, which is always ranked in the top three of uh, business schools in the world. And if you talk to these folks, they're not interested solely in going to work at McKinsey or just going to uh, work on Wall Street. A lot of them are talking about crypto projects and getting involved in that. Well, that means that they are going to have an impact and their intellectual capital is going to cause um, some projects to rise. And I, I just think that it's an interesting space and it's something that you ought to be looking at. So uh, just kind of keep your eyes on crypto over the next six to 12 months. Not that the prices are going to jump, but from the standpoint of if you have not invested already, this is a good time to be thinking about it while prices are so low. They may take another leg down because I think most asset prices are going to take a leg down. I don't know if it will or not because, you know, there's not a bunch of data to be able to suggest uh, one way or the other. Uh, things could start to go up because the economy is about to tank. Um, and so that could be good for crypto prices. I don't know. Uh, I'm going to take a hard look at sort of some of the things that um, we've bought over the past uh 12 to 18 months uh, and and think through what makes the most sense uh, in terms of loading up and, and buying more of. Uh, because I'm going to tell you, these folks, it doesn't matter whether it's the YouTube variety or the CNBC folks, uh, all of these things are the same. You have all these uh, purported experts who come on and tell you what you should be buying or what you shouldn't be buying. And, and when the dust settles, obviously you can't hold them accountable. Um, there's one YouTube channel, this guy who has millions of uh, followers. And uh, when I first got into crypto, I did a little research and some um, reputable uh, news outlets had mentioned him, interviewed him. And so I said, why don't I check out some of his content? So I started watching him and I started following his advice. Well, the overwhelming majority of what he said turned out to be false. Um, now, you couldn't know that in a moment. And every time I would hear bad advice, and I would, uh, like, for instance, of what uh, coins to buy or what uh, to invest in, you would almost see real time that it didn't work 
but I would find excuses saying, well, maybe I timed it a little wrong, or maybe, you know, this or that. Um, it just never worked. And thousands of dollars um, invested watching this guy. And, uh, you know, what is, you know, again, I, it, it makes no sense because at the end of the day, uh, you're responsible for you, not these other folks. And, and the same thing is true is, um, you know, CNBC, I remember watching and a guy, this was early this year, the end of last year, and they were talking about PayPal and talking about how it was down from its high of, I think, 270, and it was floating in the 240s, 250s range. And they were saying, you know, um, that this expert, so to speak, uh, says, you know, get ready because PayPal is going to rebound um, very strongly like Apple, etc. So I said, okay, let me shift, shift some funds over here, take a look and see what happens. Well, that was around 240. Uh, PayPal these days float between eighty to ninety dollars um, a share. So just think about that. It's a third of what it was when he recommended it six to eight months ago. And this is a purported again expert, somebody who does this for a living. You know, just don't get caught up in asset prices. Don't get caught up in all, all these types of things. I think that's where. Warren Buffett has really excelled is he removes himself from the day-to-day -day narrative and just focusing in on value and how much value is being created. Is PayPal a valuable company? Yes, it is. Should I have invested at 240 $250? Probably not. I probably should have taken a step back and said I wasn't even thinking about this stock before this guy mentioned how great of an opportunity this is and, and putting money into it. Um, you know, and my point to you is think about investments, think about how you're planning your financial future, but do so with a measured hand and not with desperation and saying, how can I make a quick buck? How can I make money now? So at any rate, uh, now we're off of that. Uh, you know, let's, let's, let's talk about maybe some of the more current events. Um, we got student loan debt cancellation coming up. Um, I got an email. I'm assuming most people got an email uh, that said you may qualify uh, if you uh, at that time received the Pell Grant, which I did. I received the Pell Grant. So I don't know um, if we'll get the 10000 or the 20000 um, but I only had around 20000 uh, because the first year of school I went, I was not on scholarship. I walked on to the University of Louisiana Monroe. And uh, I wasn't on scholarship that first year, so I had to uh, get a student loan, and then I got a scholarship, so I didn't rack up the type of debt that most people do. Uh, super thankful to uh, have received a scholarship and had my um, education paid for. I know that's not the case for everybody, uh, but at any rate, um, one um, outlet reported, I think it was the Epic Times, some people may not recognize them as legitimate, I'm not sure, uh, but I, I saw this uh, article um, and the, the author um, basically said that the uh, administration in the White House started to roll back the qualifications for individuals of receiving student loan forgiveness. And so uh, it used to be, or it was said that whether you borrowed from um, uh, whoever your borrower um, or loan, um, the person who originated your loan, 
um, those folks uh, would all receive debt cancellation or debt forgiveness. And now that's not the case. There's been multiple states that have sued and called this unconstitutional and said that the president doesn't have the power to unilaterally use uh, an article that wasn't meant for this and not even sure how he interpreted it. Nevertheless, there are folks uh, who um, will benefit from this, um, and there are a lot of people who will not benefit from this. Um, people who chose not to go to school or chose to uh, pay off <laughs> their own student loans, and you know, there's a bunch of arguments to be made either way. Um, the whole point of me bringing this up again was uh, it's interesting that the administration made a promise on who would qualify. And now they have to start pulling that back and saying, well, actually, everybody doesn't qualify that we originally thought. Um, these sorts of things may not seem like it's important, but um, it tells me that we're having a lot of half-baked plans when we speak to the public. That shouldn't happen. You should not make a promise of some... It's one thing to make a campaign promise, which he did, and folks, uh, you know, had all these proposals. That's one thing. But when you announce that you're going to do something while you're in office and you start down that road and then find out that you don't have the constitutional authority to be able to do that, that's a rookie mistake. And this man has been around for too long for that to happen. So, you know... Um, uh, I'm not going to go deeper into that, but I just wanted to bring that up because I thought that was super interesting. So if you, uh, depending upon who your borrower is uh, or was, um, I, mean, I keep saying borrower, um, the person who originated your loan, who issued you the loan, um, you probably should take a look because uh, you may or may not qualify based on the recent changes. So... Um, just wanted to touch base on a, a couple of other things uh, really quickly. Uh, still trying to get a cadence for the podcast, figuring out how I want to do this. Um, and we're going to actually have someone on the podcast here in the next um, week or so talking about policy. Um, maybe not uh, sp specifically just straight policies uh, from a foreign um, or domestic standpoint, but just talking about policy at the local level and specifically around criminal justice and the things that are happening there. Um, I, I, I'll wait to announce what that'll be. But essentially, I did not like that I was in a place in Chicago where... I could talk to and meet with politicians who were only playing the political game. And yes, that's everywhere. I'm sure your senators are that way. There's a lot of congressmen, people all over the country. Like, that's not just unique to Chicago. What I had a problem with is these, the, the mentality that it's a privilege for me to get to talk to my representative. And furthermore, they act as if they don't have to do anything that you ask them to do. Um, and that's problematic because we have most people who just want to keep a low profile and don't want to shake things up, are not argumentative or confrontational, and are content to continue to move forward without asking for favors or any of those types of things. They just want 
simple stuff done. Well, these folks, many times, not all, but many times, will sit back and do absolutely nothing and placate and, and, and shoo you away and tell you uh, that they're busy or they have something else going on or call 10 times and you can't even get them on the phone um, except when it's time to campaign. Right now, you're seeing on a federal level what campaigning really looks like. And I just want people to start asking themselves, what am I getting in return for my vote? What am I getting in return for supporting this individual? That's what we more, we need more transactional thinking like that. And uh, the esoteric ideas about what people want and what people imagine, that's not policy. Now, if they can uh, package that into policy, that's wonderful. Maybe we can talk about those and debate those and put those on front street so that everybody can um, sort of examine. But what we don't need is more of this foolishness where we're doing the same things and expecting different results. We have people who go in year after year who promise change and do absolutely nothing. We need change on all levels. And I'm hoping that as you think about what your community is experiencing, what you're experiencing, whether that's, uh, again, inflation, these are all results of policy. They don't just happen. This don't, don't believe that all of these things just happen for no reason. These all happen for, a, for different reasons, but they are uh, results of decisions that were made by policymakers. And so, at any rate, uh, just kind of want to throw that out there as you get ready to prepare to vote. Uh, I really do hope that you are registered to vote uh, because that's something that um, people have died for. That's something that the uh, overwhelming majority of people in the past have not had the ability to do, which is, um, you know, select their representation. And yes, we have a lot of problems here in this country. Um, uh, not nearly as many as other countries, some other countries, but still, I'm saying that to say that we have an opportunity to say something about who our leaders are and who we want to do certain jobs, and you need to do that because it's important. Whether you live in an all-blue district, an all-red district, a purple district, we need you to vote on every level. Um, so, uh, final story as I want to wrap um, is I'm thinking about uh, the difference between owning and renting. Uh, this has been quite an experience. We sold our condo uh, because our place was too small and we needed to get another place. And I didn't like the uh, amounts that I was seeing for homes that weren't worth it. Plus, we had little time to be able to make that transition moving out of Chicago, moving to Florida, um, and wanted to kind of get a feel for a community before we just bought something. Um, I highly recommend that. But let me say this. Uh, renting is totally different. Um, we moved into some uh, newly constructed townhomes, um, you know, not 
too terribly big, but um, not quite 2,000 square feet, but uh, much bigger than what we were living in in Chicago. We were living on top of each other in a small, you know, um, two-bedroom, two-bathroom condo, and uh, we had our second child, and so uh, we just needed more space. That was not good uh, because, you know, in a small place like that, you can uh, just get tired of the routine of not having anywhere to talk, having a place to think, just being able to get out of each other's faces. And especially during the pandemic, that exacerbated it. Uh, just, you know, being around, uh, you know, your family all day, every day, and not having an outlet of being able to go anywhere. So, um, you know, we're we um, happy that we found the townhomes, uh, townhomes that we did. Um, but I will say, working with individuals who don't care and property manager in terms of uh, landlords. Uh, I've never experienced this before where you are paying somebody a significant amount of money um, to rent and they're non-responsive. Um, one of the guys, I would see him at the, 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 one of the property managers, I would see at the gym when I would go in the morning and I'm thinking, it's, uh, you know, you should be back at the property dealing with folks, helping them out. You won't answer the phones, but yet you're here at the gym hanging out. Um, that's not good. Uh, not answering emails. And so I'm saying this to say that right now, uh, I think that there's a real opportunity for uh, a lot of different things in the marketplace. One would be property management and talking about uh, how people feel about their property managers and doing a Yelp-style review um, of property management and landlords because uh, many probably suck and don't care and just want your money and you to uh, do what they tell you to do when they tell you to do it. Like, for instance, we get random emails that you know, they don't respond to your exact email, but they'll send emails out saying, oh, please make sure your garbage cans are inside your garage uh, or you'll be fined. Uh, or uh, please make sure that everyone removes their storm shutters because you'll be fined for that. You know, I mean, they don't have a problem reaching out talking about what they will fine you for or we made a mistake and we should have billed you for this and billed you for that. But uh, they have no cares about, you know, what they should do in terms of making your life better living in the property that they manage. So uh, I don't know if that exists. Uh, I'm not talking about like uh, just apartments.com or something like that. But I mean a real deep dive in specifically talking about property management and landlords, whether they are apartments or, or townhomes. Uh, any rental, home rentals, uh, I would probably start putting that out there and building some sort of database. So I think that might be a good business for someone who is interested in starting a business is saying, what is necessary? Um, again, you just need to start knocking doors, asking people how do they like their, uh, their property management. Start posting about that because you'll find out many of these property managers manage other properties, which is probably why they're non-responsive. And 
um, building owners and property owners should know about this property management before they hire them or give them a contract to manage these properties. So it may be beneficial from the property owner standpoint to know the reputation of who they're hiring so they can see, yeah, they manage 15 other buildings, but they do a crappy job at all of them. So maybe we don't want this type of person, you know? Um, so there's a good business idea that somebody can pick up and roll with and probably wouldn't take too much time. You could do this starting off with an Excel sheet and building it out and just calling individuals or knocking on people's doors, asking how they like their property management. Because if somebody knocked at my door and said, excuse me, what's your name? Um, I'm, I'm Brian Glenn. Okay, Mr. Glenn, um, nice to meet you. My name is Joni. I'm coming. Uh, we're just interviewing people here that live in these uh, in this property to find out how your property management, how's your landlords? Do they treat you right? Uh, how are the fees here? You don't have to give me specifics because I can see some of them online. They're publicly listed. But I'm just wondering, um, are they responsive? Do they attend to your needs, etc.? You know, you know, mix it up, ask some basic questions, don't make it a long laundry list. Uh, but I would put that again into some Excel sheet and literally just start going from community to community to find out what home rentals, what how who their property manager is and what they're like. And then I would start reaching out to uh, and, and post that online, basically, so people can see it. You can run all this probably with no money or less than $100, maybe some small subscription to post and make your stuff look good on Squarespace or something like that. But uh, just saying, uh, you know, let's, let's, let's make this transparent so that people know that these crappy property managers and landlords need to be held accountable. So at any rate, um, that's a wrap for me. Uh, I'm keeping it light, going to go deeper as we build up because again, I want to start inviting other people to the podcast and talking to them, getting their insights and uh, dealing with them. And so I uh, want to throw that out there. I look forward to being able to have this conversation. And uh, please make sure that you like, subscribe uh, the channel, like this video, um, and, and turn on your notifications because we're going to start ramping up. Uh, more content and building out more and putting some of these things out targeted and uh, again having some guests on that I think you guys would enjoy so uh, thank you for listening to me today and uh, I look forward to the next time thank you bye bye if you like this video please consider subscribing to the channel also like it share it tell others about it and stay tuned so that you can get more notifications about upcoming videos